Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. on the farm this morning. Anybody like the farm? Uh, Y'all ain't never been on no farm. I know how urban you are. I understand that. Well, we've been talking about farming lessons and, you know, it's kind of interesting to me how farm life has so invaded the lives of urban folks. Now, the truth be told, uh, farm lessons invaded our life long before Farmville ever came about. You know about Farmville. Farmville is an application on Facebook, 75 million People are playing Farmville. They're running their own spread online. But long before Farmville ever came around, we were learning farming lessons because we sang songs about farms when we were children. Like, Old MacDonald had a farm. Y'all want to sing it now, don't you? E-I-E-I-O. It told you what was on a farm. Well, that was one song we sang. And then we sang another song, The Farmer and the Dale. I never have quite understood that song completely. But it does teach you about the circle of life because I went and looked it up and it says stuff like this. It says, the farmer takes a wife and a wife takes a child and a child takes a nurse and then on and on and on, teaching us the circle of life. Well, I just want to tell you, I don't know if the people in Jesus' day made up songs about farms. But I do know this, the people in Jesus' day knew a lot more about farms than we do because they were constantly walking around and through and working on farms. They were surrounded by an agricultural society that dealt with farming. And so Jesus, in an attempt to be relevant and to communicate in a way that people would understand, he talked about, imagine that, farms, Farmville. And so he began to teach us lessons. He did it in parables. I told you there were nine agricultural parables that Jesus told. But perhaps his most famous one and the one that we've been kind of honing in on is the parable of the sower. And so I want us to go back one more time, one last time, and read the parable of the sower and see what God has to say to us. In Matthew chapter 13, it begins like this. It says, at about that same time, Jesus left the house and sat on the beach. In no time at all, a crowd gathered along the shoreline, forcing him to get into a boat. And using the boat as a pulpit, he addressed his congregation, telling stories. What do you make of this? A farmer planted seed, and as he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road, and birds ate it. Some fell in the gravel. It sprouted quickly, but didn't put down roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. Some fell in the weeds, and as it came up, it was strangled by the weeds, and some fell on good earth and produced a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. Verse 18. Study the story of the farmer planting seed. When anyone hears news of the kingdom and doesn't take it in, it just remains on the surface. And so the evil one comes along and plucks it right out of that person's heart. This is the seed the farmer scatters on the road. The seed cast in the gravel. This is the person who hears and instantly responds with enthusiasm, but there is no soil of character. And so when the emotions wear off and some difficulties arise, there is nothing to show for it. The seed cast in the weeds is the person who hears the kingdom news, but weeds of worry and illusions about getting more and wanting everything under the sun strangle what was heard and nothing comes of it. The seed cast on good earth 
is the person who hears and takes in the news and then produces a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. Farmville. Farm terminology. Farm backdrop. Farming background. I've taught you some lessons all all along that I want to remind you of quickly this morning just kind of as a review. Number one, I just want to remind you that no one escapes farming laws. It doesn't matter if you're a believer or if you're a sinner. We all are bound by the law of the farm, which is sowing and reaping. When we sow, we reap. It doesn't matter if you're in relationship with Jesus or not. It doesn't matter if you've never met God or not. The reality is, is we are bound by farming laws. I told you that your seed limits limits harvest. In other words, how much you are willing to sow, not just financially, but in every area of your life, how much you're willing to sow directly dictates how much harvest you will receive. I told you this truth. We don't like this truth, but it is true. Your harvest is your fault. Uh, There's another way to say that. If you want to say it Bible way, it's what you sow, you reap. Your harvest is your fault, and so your harvest cannot change until your seed changes. I told you that you should fight the fertilizer. There are painful moments in all of our lives that we do not like, but God has this innate ability to work the stinky stuff of our life into the fabric of our life, and out of that produce growth, so we cannot fight the fertilizer. Then I told you last week that we need to learn CD math. You remember CD math? It's this truth. Seed multiplies. So it's not just the seed you plant today. When you have seed in your hand, not just financially, but in every aspect of your life, when you have seed in hand and you plant it, that seed will multiply, and the seed that you deal with today will come back to you by the bushel, and you will deal with that seed from now on. And so we have to do a seed check. I told you that seeds produced produce after their own kind so we have to give our seed assignment because we want it to produce in the right way i told you that we must protect our seed the enemy is on a collision course with seed because he knows if he can destroy our seed he destroys our harvest and so we have to protect against the one that wants to steal kill and destroy and then i also told you last but not least that we must protect our seed from us because too many of us eat our own seed We're so short-sighted that we forget that there's a a long-term harvest out there on the horizon. And if we're not careful, we want such instant gratification and instant answers that we consume all of our seed right now and we don't plant for the long term or the long haul. So I want us to continue our discussion today about Farmville. And I want you to know up front that I purposely spent two weeks on seed laws and seed lessons because I believe that most of us, if we're not careful, we become manic or we become obsessed with harvest. And we forget that there is no harvest unless we first sow. And so I purposely dealt with two weeks on how we sow and what we should sow. But this morning I want to remind you that a harvest is coming. There are harvest principles and harvest laws that we must understand because if we don't obey those laws, it gets dangerous. Let, let me illustrate. My, I, I grew up in West Oklahoma. Uh, there's a young man that I grew up with as my best friend. His name is Johnny. Some of you know him. We grew up together. We were inseparable. He has two brothers. One is named Donnie and the other one is named Jeff. Uh, Donnie and Jeff would, when, when they got old enough at about 15 years of age, they would go on harvest in Colorado and they would harvest wheat. 
Um, but some interesting things happened. Some tragic things happened. Uh, Donnie, which is the older brother, was on harvest when he was 15, and somehow, I don't know exactly how it happened, he was riding on the top of a, a wheat truck, evidently, and uh, there was a low-hanging power line, and somehow in that harvest, he touched the power line, and it literally blew off his right thumb, and even to this day, he has no thumb, and we used to rag him all the time because he was better at things that we had all five, and he could still do stuff better than us. I don't know how he figured it out, but he did. The second brother, whose name was Jeff, didn't end quite so well. I, I'll never forget, Johnny and I were outside in front of our church doing what 12 or 13-year-olds do. I don't know what that is. I guess we were just hanging out. It was right after service. We were having a good time. And all of a sudden, our pastor walks out the side door and calls Johnny to his office. And you had to know our pastor at the, at the time. He kind of treated us like his own. And if he needed to spank us, he'd spank us. It was a different day. Uh, it wasn't Jamie's dad, by the way. It was a guy by the name of, a pastor by the name of John Boone, but he'd, he'd literally spank us if he needed to. I mean, it was just that day then, you know, and, and uh, he called Johnny in his office and uh, I eavesdropped, you know, that, you know how 12 year olds are. I went to the door, put my ear to the door and I hear Johnny crying and I think, man, he's getting it now. But I found out a, a few moments later, it's one of those memories that's just etched in my brain when I discovered that what had happened was Jeff had gone on harvest and he was driving a wheat truck and the wheel went over the edge of the highway and he overcorrected and when he did, the vehicle flipped and trapped him and he burnt alive and his brother died. And I learned out of that some important things. I learned that we think that harvest is all about partying and it's good times and man whenever we start talking about we're blessed and we have favor and I got a harvest I'm so blessed I can't contain myself and it's so but we forget that harvest can be dangerous if we don't play by the rules and we don't take care of business the way we're supposed to so I want to teach you some harvest laws this morning that I believe will help us. The first thing I want to tell you this morning is a truth that I don't like it's this you must plow for your harvest. We all want a harvest. We all want blessing. We all want favor. We all want all these things, but most of us are not willing to plow for harvest. You need to understand an incredibly important truth this morning, and that is this. You cannot have a harvest if you do not plow. We don't like to talk about plowing. We like to skip plowing because plowing is hard work. I like leaving the plow in the barn. I don't want to have anything to do with the plow. It creates sweat and tears and blisters and a sore back to grab one of those things and walk into the field and hit rocks and stumps and debris. And it's difficult work, but there is no harvest unless we plow. See, I, I believe that what we need to do is go back and ask ourselves some questions the Bible teaches us that God inhabits prepared places. What are you doing to prepare the field of your life? What in your life is killing seed? Because all of us, if we're not careful, things come into our lives that kill seed. And if we aren't careful to go back and plow and plow and plow, those things that are in our lives become things that kill seed. What is in your life that's killing seed? For some of you, I believe this morning, what, what might be killing seed in your life is doubt. There are some of you that have so much doubt in your life that, that you can't trust God anymore. And that doubt and that fear kills the seed of faith in you. We hear stories about 
little boys wandering away from their apartments like we heard this morning. And we come into a church and we pray about it. Oh, God, help them find that little boy. But in the back of our mind, we're so cynical and so doubters that we go, you know, yeah, God, you're awesome. And God, you love us. And you're our healer. But they're never going to find that little boy. Doubt and fear. Some of us, we need to plow out distractions because distractions squeeze out truth and squeeze out seed. The Bible clearly states that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Singular focus is needed to, to get harvest. Singular focus on what really matters is necessary and enables us to, to grasp harvest. And so we have to remove the distractions of our lives. There are so many voices calling for us. So many things that grab our attention, it kills our seed. We have to plow. For some of you, it's sin. I, uh, we don't like to talk about it, but the reality is, is it doesn't matter how long you've known Jesus. There's this constant plowing that needs to take place. There, Where we go back and we deal with the sin issues of our life, there's issues in your life that you've got to go back and plow and plow and plow and get rid of the sin of your own life. We don't like to talk about that anymore. It requires constant plowing. For some of you, it's laziness. For some of you, it's anger. For some of you, it's your pain. For some of you, it's your past. What, what the issue is this, what continually kills the seed in your life? Because can I tell you something this morning? You're getting good seed. Oh, I, you say, well, how do you know? Well, for one, I know you're reading your New Testament for four minutes a day, five days a week, right? Aren't you doing that? Yeah, you're doing it. I know you're doing it. I believe in you. You're doing it. That's good seed. Every Sunday that you walk into this church or some other church, if the preacher is preaching Bible, newsflash, that's good seed. There are people positioned into your life that are speaking faith and hope and destiny into you. That's good seed. So you're receiving good seed on a regular basis. So what is killing the seed of your life? When you discover what that is, you have to go back and do the hard work of plowing that up. Going back and digging up our pain and digging up our past and digging up our sin and digging up habits is hard work, but it's also necessary for harvest. Hosea chapter 10 verse 12 says it like this. It says, I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. But here are these instructions. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. The writer's saying this. There are moments in all of our lives where we have to plow up our hard hearts. Have you ever met a hard-hearted Christian? Have you ever looked at one in the mirror this morning? Did you ride to church with one this morning? Did you bump into one when you walked in the door of this church this morning? All of us come to this place, if we're not careful, where our heart becomes hardened. And the only way to deal with that is to plow. If we're not careful, our hearts and our lives become so hardened that we're unplantable. Seed bounces off of us. We become like the path, that hardened path in the parable of the sower where seed hits our lives and it bounces off. 
So if there's no plowing, there's no harvest. I want you to hear me this morning. Your harvest depends on how thoroughly you plow. If you plow poorly, then your results, your harvest will be poor. If you plow shallow, the results will be seeds exposed to the enemy. If there's no plowing, there is no harvest. The deeper you plow, the more willing you are to deal with the issues of your life, the more willing you are to come to service after service and allow the Holy Spirit to dig down and get all the junk out of your life, even though it would be easier to come and act like everything is okay. The deeper we allow the Spirit to plow into us, the more thorough the plowing, the greater the harvest. The second truth I want to tell you this morning is this. Keep your combine in your own field. Oh, I don't know if you've ever tried to go harvest somebody else's crop, but I just came to tell you, you can get arrested for that. That's called trespassing. You can go to jail for doing that. But that's what we do. Because what we'll do is, is uh, we, we see somebody else receiving a harvest. Man, they're being blessed. I love the car they're driving, the house they're living in, the friends that they've got, the position, the favor, the, the prominence, all that stuff. And we lust after somebody else's harvest. I just came by to tell you this morning, there are no overnight successes. There are people who have plowed for years and then, quote, suddenly their harvest comes and the spotlight hits, and what we do is we, get, we go out and sit on the porch and grab a lemonade, and we never work the, the, our own field, and we see the results in their lives, and then we lust after their harvest. Oh, y'all aren't hearing me this morning. And we find ourselves arrested. See, the reality is, is you don't know the tears, and you don't know the sweat, and you don't know the pain that they endured to get their harvest. You can't get their harvest. You can only get your harvest. Too many of us want what everybody else has in our own farm lies in ruins, unworked, unprepared, and so we miss the harvest. Paul says it like this. You'll have to go read it for yourself. I'm going to paraphrase in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He basically tells us that we have an assigned field with an assigned area of authority and that we should stay in that assigned area. And then he goes on and he says, you can't boast about somebody else's field. And we can't harvest what somebody else has planted. So let me break it down for you. You can't reap somebody else's prayer life. You got to pray for yourself. You can't reap somebody else's Bible reading. You got to read for yourself. You cannot reap somebody else's fasting life. You've got to learn to fast for yourself. You got to keep your combine in your own field. You got to do your own work. Come on, tell your neighbor, do your own work. Quit trying to ride my coattails into your harvest. Third thing I would say to you this morning is this we need to check our soil. Harvest is affected by environment. Listen to me this morning. This parable teaches us something it teaches us that good ground equals great harvest. But it also teaches us this. If you continue to sow in bad ground, you don't change your harvest. You get no harvest or very little harvest. 
What happens is, I'm going to play on words here, and y'all, some of you will get this, some of you won't. If you just keep throwing your seed on bad ground, what you find is your seed on the ground. That's it. Listen, here's the truth. Hear this. If you don't hear anything else, I say, hear me say this today. Good seed will not turn bad soil good. Good seed. You can take the best seed and throw it onto bad ground over and over and over. And that's exactly what we do. What we think happens is that the seed overtakes the ground when in reality the soil overtakes the seed. Oh, I'm getting ready to mess with somebody really bad. Because that's why the Bible says that believers are not to be uh, unequally yoked with non-believers. Because the soil overtakes the seed, not the other way around. In other words, let me get right down to where we live. Quit going to a bar trying to find your spouse. That's bad ground. You will never get good harvest out of bad ground. Stay out of the clubs. That's not good ground. I understand. You don't like me no more, but that's all right. That's all right. I'd rather tell you now than to set you down and start counseling because you're getting ready to get divorced because they still want to go out and party all night long and shake their groove thing, and you're sitting there going home going, what in the world? Well, that's where you met them. What do you expect them to do? Quit dating sinners hoping that you can turn them into saints. It doesn't work. They rub off on you. Oh, y'all shot me down, but I'm getting ready to get to where you live, too, so hang on. <laughs> Quit playing the lottery looking for a righteous harvest. Can I tell you what the lottery is? It's a bunch of rich folks trying to prey on poor folks. Let me give you a clue. Let me give you some good farming principles. Are you ready? Here you go. Quit playing the lottery. Instead, go get a job and take your check and live on a budget and deposit some in the bank where you're guaranteed interest. That's good ground. I'm just waiting on my ship to come in. No, go get a job. And spend less than you make. I'm preaching good right now. And if you can't stop buying the tickets, get out of the convenience store. Quit drinking. Trying to find an answer to your problems in the bottom of that bottle. That is not good ground. Can I tell you this morning, you will never find your answer there. You might forget your problem for a moment, but when you come to yourself, the problem will still be there, probably multiplied because seed produces after its own kind. All right. Quit hanging around doubters and wondering why all of a sudden you're overcome by doubt. That's not good ground. Quit reading Facebook more than you read your Bible. Because the reality is, is that when the world goes away, the Bible clearly states that it's not Facebook that's going to remain. There's one thing that's going to remain. There's one thing that's tried. There's one thing that's true. There's one thing that will always produce harvest, and it's His Word. Check your Facebook to find out what Susie's doing, and Barbara's doing, and Dan is doing, and Bobby's doing. But you're never going to find out what God is doing on Facebook. You find out what God is doing 
doing in his word. That's good ground. When the storm comes, Facebook won't have the answer. When the trials come, Facebook won't have the answer. When the storms of life are turning and churning around us and our world is falling apart, you won't find the answer in somebody's status. You'll find it in God's word. You cannot continue to sow good seed on bad ground and expect the harvest to change. I got really blunt with the first service, and I got mean. I told them if they kept looking for a spouse in the, in the bar, they were an idiot. So y'all just take it from the first service. If you keep looking for a spouse in the bar, and if you quit hanging around, if you keep hanging around doubters, and if you keep trying to find your answer in a bottle, and if you keep reading Facebook more than the Bible, you fill in the blank of what we are because that's stupid. That's taking good seed and destroying it in bad ground. Do a soil check. There is some ground that needs to be plowed. There are other pieces of ground that need to have barbed wire stretched around them with signs on it that say, warning, keep out. If we would just listen to God, if we would just listen to the Word, if we would just listen to the Spirit, we would know that there are areas that we keep walking into to sow into that are off limits to us. The last lesson I want to tell you this morning is this. Harvest when it's ripe. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 2 teaches us a farm lesson. It says that there is a time for everything including a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. Amos chapter 9 happens to be one of my favorite truths in the entire body of scripture. Because what it does is Amos teaches me this lesson that God can speed up the harvest. It paints this word picture for us that what happens is the farmer goes out with seed. It says the sower goes out and he casts the seed. And in Amos chapter 9, it paints this picture that as the sower is about to throw the seed before he can get it out of his hand, the Bible says that the day is coming when the reaper will overtake the sower so God can speed up the harvest and it overtakes him before we ever get seed out of our hand. The harvest is coming into our house. I love that scripture. But here's the truth out of that. God speeds up the harvest. We don't. We have to learn to wait until our harvest is ripe. Because if we harvest before our harvest is ripe, our harvest will not be mature and it will be no good to us. Too many of us take matters into our own hands and we grab the sickle. And we get out there and start swinging for our harvest before we've ever done any plowing work, before we've ever done any planting work, and then we wonder why our harvest is either small or immature. See, I want you to hear this truth this morning. I'm going to use two cuss words in this truth, so just hang on. Here it is. Reaping a godly harvest requires, here it is, here's the first one, patience. And here's the other one, persistence. That's what a godly harvest requires. We don't like those words. 
I won't even eat at certain restaurants because they don't have a drive-thru, and I don't want to take the time to go in. I will skip and go somewhere else because I want it convenient. We have convenient stores because I want to be able to get in. We have microwaves because we don't want to cook long-term anymore. We want it all right now. But godly harvest requires patience and persistence. That's why Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, I hate that verse of Scripture, at the proper time, at that moment when we least expect it, we keep doing good, at the proper time, we reap a harvest, if what? We don't give up. Calvin Coolidge said it like this, He said, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with great talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence, determination alone are omnipotent. Anyone that's ever farmed for a living, knows that harvest requires patience. It's one thing to plant a few tomato plants in your backyard. It's another thing to have your entire livelihood wrapped up in your farm. If if, if your family is dependent on the money that you make farming, I got news for you, you never get a day off. If you plant 5,000 acres of wheat, there is no moment off. There is no weekend off. There is no time off. You are working in the winter, preparing your property, repairing machines, doing whatever you got to do because it takes consistency and persistency and patience to reap the harvest. And so this morning, I want to tell you that the fastest way to failure is a shortcut. If you're trying to shortcut to riches, you're trying to shortcut to spiritual maturity, you're trying to shortcut in relationships, you're trying to shortcut in any way, that is the fastest way to failure. In the spring of 1980, a lady by the name of Rosie Ruiz won the Boston Marathon. She stood on the platform and they placed the wreath on her head and people took her picture and began to cheer for her and go nuts about the fact that she'd accomplished such an impressive feat. What was so impressive about her accomplishment was this. She was a complete unknown in the running world. She had never won a race, ever. Not a local community race. She didn't win a track meet somewhere in a high school. She had never won anything. And all of a sudden, she burst onto the scene and wins one of the most prestigious marathons in America. And then somebody noticed her legs. They looked at her legs, and they were kind of fleshy. That's a nice way to say they were kind of large. There was no toned muscle there produced by mile after mile after mile of training. They noticed that her legs were overtaken with cellulite instead of muscles. They began to ask some questions. They began to call the officials, and they began to talk to other runners, and they realized that nobody had seen her coming down the 26-mile course nobody had ever seen her and so the truth came out 
when they began to talk to her, they discovered that she had jumped into the race in the last mile. She was an idiot. (laughs) But she teaches us something. She teaches us that there's no success without suffering. And she teaches us that everybody wants the prize, but nobody wants to go through the process. And I came to tell you that there is a harvest coming, but you've got to stay the course. I came to tell some husbands and wives whose relationships are rocky, keep plugging along. Keep the course. Keep working it out. Keep discussing. Keep praying. Keep going to counseling. Keep doing what you're doing. The day will come when harvest will come. I came to tell some moms and dads who have children who are acting the fool. And you've prayed for weeks and you've prayed for months and you've prayed for years and you don't think they're ever going to respond. Keep praying. Don't give up. It's always too soon to quit. Hang on. The day is coming. God produces the harvest. We just keep sowing. And one day when the time is right, at the proper time, harvest will come. I came to tell some students, keep going to class. Keep doing the stupid work that you don't think matters. Keep turning in the homework. Don't quit because a harvest is coming. I came to tell some of you that are working in tough places that you're dreading tomorrow because you got to go back to that place. Hang on. Keep sowing. Keep clocking in. Keep doing better work than everybody else. Keep representing the king in that place. And one day, harvest will come. Keep believing. Some of you have been praying for the people on this list for decades and you've almost come to the conclusion that you're never going to reap the harvest. I'm telling you, if you will just keep believing, these folks are going to move. The proper time is coming. We are going to see the harvest in this place, in these people, if we'll just hang on. And we say, why do you tell us that, Pastor Steve? Because I don't want you to get tired of praying for them and say, well, they ain't never coming. We just don't see it. Yeah, we're seeing it. Some of you just don't know it. We've already had people move off our movers card because they've accepted Christ as their Savior. There is a harvest that is coming if we will just hang on. Waiting on the Lord is supposed to renew our strength, not destroy our strength. Hear me this morning. Waiting on the Lord is supposed to make our strength stronger. We just get tired of waiting. But I got news for you this morning. I am not interested in reaping a 60-fold harvest when I can wait a few more days, a few more weeks, a few more months, even a few more years if I can just hang on. Why settle for 60-fold when he has a 100-fold for me? If we reap too early... We reap an immature harvest. 
But if we reap too late, we waste our harvest. Timing is everything. I told him in the first service, I'll tell you, I'm all right with every chair not being full for now. But I got news for you. A harvest is coming. I think God doesn't give us our harvest sometimes because if he gives it to us too early, the waiting teaches us to enjoy and handle our harvest better. So we're just waiting. So I'm good for at least two more weeks. That's a joke, by the way. We're just going to keep doing what we're doing, believing that God is going to bring a hundredfold, and I believe that for your life as well. I want you to stand with me this morning. I'm going to pray several things over you this morning before Mike comes and closes us out. I want to pray that you'll quit running from the plow. I know it's hard work. I know it's not fun to come to church every week and be told there are things in your life you need to get straight. It would be a lot easier if I'd just come in here and say, you're okay. It's all right. Just keep living like you're living. That's not this church. I'm sorry. There is plowing that needs to be done. So quit running from the plow. I'm going to pray that you'll quit running from the plow. I'm going to pray that you'll keep your combine in your own field because you're never going to reap somebody else's harvest. You've got to come to this place where you're thankful and you're content with your own harvest or change your seed to get a different harvest. Three, we've got to check our soil. Some of you are planting in bad ground. And it's time to change where you're sowing. So your harvest will change. And I also want to encourage you this morning and tell you that harvest is coming if you'll just hang on. Don't grow weary. In the proper time, harvest will come. Father, I pray for my folks this morning. Plowing work is not easy work. There are going to be some Sundays they wish I'd just leave them alone. Shoot, there are a lot of weeks, God, I wish you'd leave me alone. But God, I want you to do a thorough plowing of my own heart. Pull up all the pain, the past, the sickness, the sin, the laziness, the doubt, the distractions, the fear. Bring them to the surface so that you can remove them. So that I'll get good harvest. I pray that over my folks, Father. Do the plowing work in them. Pray they wouldn't grow weary during the plowing season because the plowing only prepares the ground. Father, I pray that we would become content with our harvest. And if we're not content with our harvest, I pray that we would quit lusting after somebody else's harvest, somebody else's wife, somebody else's friends, somebody else's job, somebody else's car, somebody else's whatever. God, I pray that instead we would keep our combine in our own field. And if we don't like our harvest, help us to change our seed. Father, I pray, help us to examine the soil of our life. And if there's seed that we're wasting because we keep throwing it on bad ground, hoping the seed will overtake the soil, God, give us the wisdom this morning to understand that we have to change the soil. Environment affects the, the harvest. We don't want to waste seed. 
We don't want to waste our time. We don't want to waste our talents. We don't want to waste our treasures. So, Father, help us to do a good, thorough soil check right now in our own spirit to discover what kind of ground we've been planting in. Father, if there's one standing here this morning or watching over the Internet that feels like giving up, I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would speak to their hearts and you would give them more patience and more persistence and they would hang on because a harvest is coming. It's the law. Father, we are trusting you and believing you for harvest this morning. And Father, when we see folks getting their harvest, we make a covenant with one another that instead of lusting after their harvest, we will rejoice with them. When I see my brothers or my sisters blessed, I will rejoice with them because I will know that their patience has paid off. Father, we hold out for the hundredfold. That's what we want. That's what we're trusting you for. In Jesus' name, if you need some. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.